You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we'll discuss questions or topics that you may or may not hear explained in a sermon, but explore the interaction between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. In this episode, we answer the question of how Christians should respond to the refugee crisis, which is a relevant and divisive issue, and it heads down the road toward a bigger discussion of how our faith in Jesus should inform our politics. So listen up. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. All right. Hey, welcome into Church Unplugged. Uh, our question today is, how should Christians respond to the immigration crisis? Uh, with me, I have Zach Wyrock. He leads Orchard NEO, which is a church planning organization affiliated with CCC. Hi. I've got Joe Coffey, our lead pastor. Hey, everybody. And then Todd Ionetta, who's a member of our leadership team and does a lot of different things at CCC. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Jimmy Cozy. I'm a student ministry pastor here, part of the leadership team. All right, welcome in. Uh, The question we're looking at today is, uh, what does the gospel have to say about immigration? Now, immigration is a really wide topic. So uh, kind of our starting point is is here. There was a statistic that uh, was published recently. I think the survey was done in 2018, uh, where 68% of white evangelicals say that they believe that the U.S. has no responsibility to take in refugees. So we as a country, 68% of white evangelicals think we don't have any responsibility as it pertains to the refugee crisis that's going on around the world. And it's going on in in a bunch of places. And so my first thought would be uh, as uh, pastors at a church that is primarily or has a, a high percentage of, of white people, an evangelical church, you know, how can we think through this issue in a way that uh, honors God and uh yeah. So you might have a couple of different um, issues depending on how the question was asked. I think because you could have what is the responsibility of Christians to refugees that come into our country, and then you could have another question: is so what is the responsibility of a nation to its borders, and uh, what is and then what is our relationship as Christians to that nation yeah. as voting? members of that nation. So there's, it's, I think all of that I think is it's a complicated, it's a little more complicated than most people make it, but. Yeah. But the, I think the question that was actually asked in the statistic comes from, basically the question was, does the U.S. have any responsibility to take in any refugees? And 68% yeah. said the answer is no, no yeah. responsibility I, whatsoever. I think before I, I say anything about immigration, I think one thing that grieves me a little bit about a question like this and, and how it's answered in the church is that uh, if you said, okay, a news program is going to answer this question and they're going to have a Republican and a Democrat and, and they're going to you know, yell at each other the way cable news does, uh, I know instantly what they're going to say, right? I don't even need to listen. I know the Republican talking points. I know the Democrat talking points. I think if you asked two Christians uh, in, a, in a random church service, one Christian from a conservative bent and one Christian from a liberal bent, you'd get the same answers, and I think what grieves me about that is that it shows how little people in the church think first as Christians, right? And so they'll think first as Republicans, first as Democrats. And I, and I think maybe for me, the best place to start is to say, if you're listening to this and you're instantly running to your talking points, like you're instantly giving me Fox News or you're instantly giving me MSNBC, I think we've missed the point here because no matter how you identify politically, Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, independent, whatever, you are a Christian that. 
So, so you can't think about this the way a non-Christian Republican would. To me, if there's no difference between a, the way a non-Christian Republican thinks about immigration and a Christian Republican, or a non-Christian Democrat and a Christian Democrat, then the only way that could be true is if it was actually meaningless to be a Christian. And it meant more to be a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, than yeah, you are Jesus. first that. And I, I meet a lot of people in the church where what breaks my heart is not even what they're saying politically. What breaks my heart is that I could go get my non-Christian Republican friend and I'd hear the same thing. Like, like that Jesus hasn't affected you at all. He's not shaping this at all. And so I think when the question becomes really interesting, it's not if we regurgitate like what we already know we'd hear on Fox News or we already know we'd hear on NBC, but if we say, how does Jesus shape our thinking uh, about this? Because that seems to me that that's lacking uh, in the church today. And I would say that like part of it is that, sure, the U.S. has a responsibility to protect our country and our, th- there's, that's an okay thing for our country. So for people, for people to go from there and jump to say, we believe the U.S. has no responsibility to take in refugees, that could be what they mean. But if they mean that if they take that down to a personal level, especially as Christians, then we're getting into something that, that like Zach said, that's where you, ha- that you have to go from what Christ says about how you should respond to people, specifically refugees. And I think what he wants us to do is to share the gospel. We have a responsibility to share the gospel with everyone, including and probably even more specifically strangers. You know, when it says, uh, when it says, Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of these you did to me, one of those things was to uh, welcome in a stranger. And so I think let's start there. Maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's a good starting point. So, yeah. you know, let's not talk about how conservative politics shape how we think about refugees or how liberal politics shape how we think about refugees. But in, in regards to what you're saying, Zach, how does Jesus shape how we think about refugees and the refugee yeah, crisis? Yeah, I think the most fundamental way is that Jesus teaches us not to fear what's different than us. I, mean, I think that's the thing that, that, that I don't first think about people as about what threat they pose to me. Uh, and it seems like that's how a lot of people think about a lot of other people. I think that's why we tend to congregate around people who look like us and dress like us and live the way we live is because we feel safe there. And I, I, I think first that the, the, the first thing that would be biblically true is that all people are made in the image of God. All people bear the image of God. And so because of that, all people have value and all people have the possibility of good, not, not just sinful uh, fallen nature, but the possibility of good. You know, it, it's interesting because even the talking point of we have to protect our country, you know, I'd say, well, one of the ways we protect our country is by letting really talented and smart people in from all over the world who contribute to our country in a significant way. It's interesting, though, that we instantly jump to kind of we got to keep them out, right? And, and, and just think that the most fundamental would be to say that, that I first see value in everyone. I don't first see what they pose to me. A threat or not a threat? You know, does that make sense? I think that's yeah, a starting I, I, point. I think one of the things that have been, has been historically true of Christians is that we are risk takers. We are the ones, and the way when the church uh, did its best work, um, the when the church grew the most was when they were willing to risk, to put themselves at risk for the sake of another. Goes back to the the two great commandments: love God. Love your neighbors yourself. When Jesus talks about your neighbor. He talks about the Samaritan uh, stopping uh, at great risk 
right where somebody was robbed. Uh, almost always, uh, like Zach said, it's not just fear that I hear about the differences of other people. It's the fear of what might happen if somebody sneaks in that don't want, wants to do harm. But for a Christian, uh, doing harm to me should not be my highest, uh, you know, my highest value is not to protect myself. My highest value is to serve and honor Jesus who gave his life for, right? So it's my life for yours. So to me, that's a, that's a different way. If I'm going to have Jesus shape the way I look at something, uh, I can't have it be about protecting myself. Yeah. Yeah, and you can even think from a gospel perspective in terms of preaching the gospel to all the nations, which is a clear command of Jesus uh, that we would go make disciples of all the nations. There are some nations you can't get to with the gospel. The, the only way to we reach can now, them, right? Yeah, because the only here. way to reach them is because they're coming here. Right. But let's be honest, a lot of those countries are the countries where people are like, oh, we can't let people in from there. And so there you have competing values, right? And that's what you're saying, Joe. You have competing values of quote unquote safety. And I want to say quote unquote because I think sometimes we perceive these people as a threat. That doesn't mean they are one. But but you have the 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 perception of safety versus getting the gospel to them. I think if a lot of us were honest, we'd say, well, and given that choice, I'm going to choose safety. And I think one of the ways you see that is I always kind of laugh when people, this happened at City Church. There was an event in Paris a, a year or two ago that created a whole big thing about Syrian refugees. And, and I had all these people uh, at City Church, the church I planted in Cleveland, you had a lot of people raging online about, we need to love refugees. We need to, at the time, we were involved in a refugee mentoring ministry. And we had four families from the church signed up. Right. I remember getting up that Sunday and saying, hey, what if, the, what if whether or not you cared about refugees had more to do with what you did and didn't do yesterday than what you posted on Facebook. I, mean, I think so. Sometimes people say, "Well, it's not the government's job; it's the church's job." I will only listen to that argument if you are actively engaged in loving refugees personally. And if you're not, then that argument holds no no water to me. I think you know, it's just a cop out. What's kind of funny about that argument for me too is that it's not at times consistently applied. Oh, no kidding, Jimmy. People would say, you know, so let's take, without going down the rabbit trail, take an issue such as gay marriage. Yeah. Then all of a sudden... Oh, then it's the government's it's job. It's the government's job. But <laughs> right. when it comes to something that's a little bit more, you know, like something yeah. like the refugee crisis. So it's, I think that's always interesting when people will just kind of throw, we'll throw our hands up and say, well, it's not the government's job, it's the church's job. So the, but the other thing that comes with that is that we live in a country where we have the ability to affect change within the government. And so I feel like that's part of our responsibility as followers, followers of Jesus to yeah. Yeah, use that responsibility in a way to honor yeah, In Christ. our system of government, it's literally impossible to draw that distinction because we go to the ballot all the time and we vote yes or no on things all the time in terms of who's going to represent us. So yeah, I think that distinction isn't unhelpful. But I think just a starting point is to say, I am called to love all people. So whatever answer I come up with, I, it must be the, because I have decided this answer is the most loving to others, not to myself, right? And I think it seems like a lot of our thinking about immigration is self-focused and not others-focused and certainly not Christ-focused. Now, at what point do you, uh, does it change for, say, you're a state representative or your Congress member who is a Christian? Is your responsibility to protect the nation different? I mean, should what about the Christian who says, listen, I think we ought to have strong borders. I think we ought to have immigration reform. I think it ought to be easier to get in. Once they are in, they become my responsibility. But whether they get in or not is the government's responsibility. 
Yeah, about that? I think. Look, I think there's an. It's an incredibly immigration on a policy level is an incredibly nuanced thing, and I think what's frustrating for me from a political standpoint is I don't hear nuance in a lot of no, what right. Republicans and Democrats right. are saying. N- nuance doesn't fit into into uh, right. sound bits. Right. right. So certainly a government official has a responsibility to protect the country. But again, I would argue. I mean, some of the greatest minds this country has ever seen who have contributed the most significantly to protecting our country are people who have immigrated in. So even when we say we need to let people let less people in so that we can protect our country, I, I don't even know if that's based in fact. But I think a Christian representative would balance, there would be a sense of balance, I need to equally protect our country and protect the ideas of our country, which is that we are richer in diversity than we would be without it, that, you, you right. know, that we... And there has to, way, there has to be a way to fix uh, immigration if people wanted to. My brother... And I were talking about it. My brother said, "You know, we're we're a nation that put people on the moon." Yeah. Well, not Regardless yeah, Steph of what Curry. Steph Curry says. Oh, yeah, says. Steph Curry said but, we're not. But and we, Kyrie Irving probably doesn't believe it either because yeah, the world's it, flat. Where's the flat, moon? Right. But we're we're, we're a nation that put people on the moon. You put ten of our smartest people in a room, they'll figure out uh, immigration reform. But politically, we don't want to solve it. So I guess if I was a if I was a a Christian who was a state representative or a congressional member. I would want to solve things regardless of what my party's well, but what was best but for my that's party. That's kind of what I'm saying. I want to connect what you just said with what Jimmy said about like we vote and, and, and just saying like again, if Christians tomorrow woke up and said, you know what, I am going to look at this whole Republican Democrat thing differently because of Jesus. Right? I'm gonna to begin to think critically. Because I just I, I think if you're following Jesus, you cannot fully line up with the Democrats. You cannot fully line up with the Republicans. Which, well, let me stop you there. That's probably why the 68%, right? Because I think people tend to want to go, once they vote a certain way, they want to justify their vote by saying, by getting behind that candidate no matter what they do. And I think that's that's yeah. the uncritical kind of thing. Yeah, and okay, I just think ahead. that Christians could actually be redemptive in the immigration policy discussion if if just as a whole, if evangelical Christians begin to say, you know what, we're not interested in the talking points. It's not working. We're interested in a solution that protects the country and is loving to people. And I, I think representatives, I actually worked in politics for a while. Here's what I can tell you. What they want more than anything is to get reelected. Right. That's what they want. So if the standard was being held to say, if you give us talking points, you're out. We're going to vote you out. We, we don't want talking points. We, we want solutions. Then we would get them. But we're not getting them because Christians are first Republicans and first Democrats and just regurgitate the same stuff as opposed to saying, uh, Jesus shows me neither conservatives or liberals have the corner market on truth. And so I should expect – I mean, again, I, I just think if you're listening to this and you're, and you're a Republican or you're a Democrat and you can't tell me where your party is wrong, you have stopped following Jesus and you're just following a political party. And I think immigration is a case in point of that larger problem. I think one of the things, too, that Christians ought to be doing, all of us should be doing, regardless of what you think should be happening, is uh, I started praying daily for the people in the caravan, because that's got to be horrible to be stuck. Right, regardless of how you feel about the politics absolutely, of the issue. Absolutely. Every refugee, every immigrant trying to get into this country should be, uh, should be a target of every evangelical's prayers, right? For, for them, for their suffering to be addressed for something to happen or for even them. just thinking about what life must be like where they're coming from right that to they make think them do it's that. better yeah right. that they think it's better to, to sit outside the border of the united yeah. states in in hopes that yeah. they will get in yeah yeah, yeah. shanties when and, it seems like that so 
that's forced migration, right? Is that they're coming because they have to come, which we see in Scripture. I mean, Egypt, the, fleeing Egypt to get into into the, the promised land. And it's always a tragic thing, and we have to I recognize that. But then the, the part about it that we also have to see is that God usually redeems, can redeem that. And one of the ways he can redeem that is if they get in and they're here, then there's an, there might be an opportunity for them to, uh, for us to share the gospel with them. And well, I just think too, even if your perspective is that you know the government has to protect the border, and and you know, I just think two things to that. One is if if there's a picture of children getting tear gassed on the TV, and your response is, well, they shouldn't have tried to come in. I think there's something wrong with your heart. I'm not saying you should say it's legitimate. I'm saying your heart should be broken. I should hear heartbrokenness in you that this is happening. Uh, and if I don't hear that, I think you're missing Jesus uh, again. Even if you wind up at, we have to have secure borders. And even if you wind up there, I want to hear some heartbrokenness. But second of all, saying even if you say it's the government job to protect the border, that's fine. None of us work in the government. It's our job to love the people in the caravan. So how do we do that? What would it even look like for evangelical Christians to say, Hey, my stance is the government has to protect the border. That, that's fine. But I don't work in the government. My job is to love people. So how do I get bottled water there? How do we get there and care for them? How do we set up medical care? How do we – does that make sense? Like even then, even if your stance is the government, that's fine. Let the government do that. What's your responsibility? And people seem to be thinking the government's responsibility is to protect the country. My responsibility is to do nothing. And, and, and let and the I government – yeah. 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 Just yeah. to agree with whatever I, they say. I think – and that's – you know, part of it is I feel like we need to find ways to separate the politics of a situation from the people of the situation. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I, lo- I love about the book of Deuteronomy is that, you know, time and again in that book, you'll see it says it's written like saying to the people, remember, remember where you came from. Remember right. what happened to you. And I don't think, forget that you were a stranger. Yeah. Don't forget. Yeah. And I think that's true for any of us in this country to say, Maybe it's not remember where you came from, but just remember who is the source of everything that you have, that that it's just by uh, the fact that you were born here, that you are not sitting in the caravan right now trying to get into the United States. That's the other thing is that, you know, one of my Bibles, I have uh, quotes in different Bibles of different people. And one of the quotes that I have as a minister is from uh, Adoniram Judson's grandson. And the quote is this, uh, if you are suffering in ministry, someone will succeed after you. And if you are succeeding, someone suffered before you, which I love, right? But that's true of the immigration thing. If you're here, you were born here, but not all of It doesn't go back very, very far before you find an immigrant fleeing from someplace, taking an incredibly arduous and dangerous ship ride to get here. And then they arrive. And from that line, you have now become an American who, was, who can trace their generations back a little ways. But at some point, somebody in your history suffered so that you, you could succeed. Right now we're watching people suffer um, and then saying you should continue to suffer. I think that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, yeah. It's just I think that's what, that's what privilege can do to us in that, well, I'm here. Right. So I, you know, and now I don't think we should let any more in. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, last one in the, the door closes it behind them and says, forget everybody outside, forgetting that two seconds ago they, they were the one outside right. the door. I mean, like that's, 
That's the problem. Yeah, I just think in general there should be. <laughs> yeah, a, people do that with church too. I mean, we've I've had people say that about our church to say yeah. no more. You know, we're we're we, full. Yeah, we're getting too big. Well, yeah. we weren't too big when you came, but yeah, yeah. now we are. I right. just think there should right. be a heartbrokenness, a, a mourning, a grieving over the state of the world, the state like that people. Uh, would need to leave their countries, would want to leave their countries, that political, for political reasons, religious reasons, whatever it might be, that these people have children who who are just going wherever mom and dad go, that, I mean, all these things, there should be a genuine uh, heartbrokenness. And if there isn't, again, it's hard not to see it as anything but just like naked self-interest. So to kind of finish, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask, because I think with an issue like this, it can be overwhelming in the sense of, you know, maybe you are listening to this and you are feeling the same way and feeling that, that, you know, I'm going to restart this sentence because I feel like it's not going anywhere, but um, maybe you're listening to this and, and you're looking for ways to act and, and issues like this can be super overwhelming because it's, it's almost like, I don't, I don't even know where to, where to start. So if we were to give practical steps to a follower of Jesus who wants to do what we've been describing and love people who are in the midst of the refugee crisis well. You know, if I wanted to do that today, what's a practical step I could take? Well, I would say first, to Zach's point, if you are afraid, and we all should be afraid, that we are more Republican than we are Christian or more Democrat than we are Christian, we ought to be praying about it daily. Repent. Yeah, we ought to be asking God to, to break our hearts with what breaks his. And you better believe that the immigration the whole crisis breaks God's heart because it always has. Read through scripture. I mean, he's always for the immigrant. So that'd be the first thing that I would say. The other pray thing- for, Pray for the, the refugees as well. Yeah. Right, You know, right. pray for them because I think that has its way of breaking your heart. And I think maybe even pray for them first. Like don't, don't speak about border safety until you've prayed for them, right. Right? right? Because they matter more. People matter more than anything else. So pray for them first and then- speak about. I think the one thing I'd say is cultivate the voices in your life. Be careful about what you let into your mind. Be careful about the the TV channels that you have on, the radio programs you listen to. Again, Republican or Democrat, and it, you can go either way on this, but because like that, that stuff affects our thinking. I, I just think if you listen to, let's say, three hours of political radio a day, and you spend 10 minutes in the scriptures... Which one of those things has the largest pull on your heart and on your mind, right? Is it any wonder you can give me the Republican talking points, but you can't give me the Ten Commandments in order, right? No, you're filling your mind. So just be careful with are the voices that I'm listening to, are they creating in me a heart that is chasing after Christ? Or are they creating in me a Republican heart or a Democrat heart, a conservative heart or a liberal heart? Be careful about that. And I think we can find a way, at least with with our church— you can find a way to get involved with the refugees that are here because we have a pretty robust uh, ministry and presence down in Akron, which is one of the places that the government has chosen to put refugees. So let's minister to them, the ones that are here. Yeah. And along those lines too, I think just make some friends who don't look like you. Yeah. That's a great way to break out of the fear bubble. Make some friends who don't have white skin. Make some friends who don't live in your neighborhood. You know, make some friends, cultivate relationships with people who are different. And I think what you'll find is that will open up your mind and heart in some new ways to think about some of these things with perspectives that, that maybe you, you can't have on your own. And one, of the ways you, and one of the ways you minister to refugees, too, there's so many needs that you can meet that are very practical. So, like, we do English classes and, you know, and um, 
you know, just help with life skills because there's so many different things that yeah, that you can that kind of reminds me, you know, for <clears throat> for a while for our middle school ministry was sending mission trip teams to Dayton, Ohio because that's a resettlement area for East African refugees. And so one of the things we learned along the way is that refugees would arrive in Dayton, they'd basically be given a stack of cash that was enough to live for maybe a month and it's kind of like, "All right, good luck. Welcome to America, American dream. It's all yours. It's here for you." And so they don't know how to speak English. They don't know how to get a job. They don't know how to get housing. When they do get housing, they don't know how to take care of it. When they, they don't know how to get their kids enrolled in school, they don't know how to just do basic things that you, every one of us probably takes for granted as just easy and available. And so, yeah, I think, you know, we have ministries at CCC that help with that kind of thing. And that's a great way to get involved. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, and one of the things we want to continue to do is make the connection between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. So if you have a question or topic that you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. And if you want more information about Christ Community Chapel, our church, you can go to our website, which is www.ccchapel.com. Thanks for listening.